right, here we go on a Sunday morning. It's just after 8 o'clock. I am Spencer the Wiz filling in for host Brian Feldman. We're here live every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. I'm coming to you live from my studio, known as the Wiz Den. And then also part of the show, producer Chris Magnum Chapman is manning the, the big board back in the Lotus Broadcasting Building in the Fox Sports Presidential Bank Corp studio. Max also serves as a locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network and the pregame show host of our other sister station, ESPN Radio Las Vegas. Joining me in a moment is Chris Wynn, a longtime radio voice in the Las Vegas Valley. Out of Line Show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live, Twitter, and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp. is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details and to get information on all the home financing options available in Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights remain on top of the Pacific Division following their dominant win over the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> the Running Rebels remain undefeated, which is exciting, kind of. UNLV football shocked a lot of people moments before revealing a disastrous cannon. Raiders are winners of two in a row and favorites today. Somehow a 4-7 and seven, a team being favorited. I don't know how. College football has massive shakeups yesterday. I mean, goodness gracious, we'll talk about all that. And maybe we'll talk a little NBA if there's time, because that's my favorite sport. And finally, uh, don't place your football yet, football bets yet, until you have heard today's pick and parlay from the scooper. That's what's on tap. If you're looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on your home financing options. Before we get too far into it, I'm going to go ahead and bring in the man, Chris Wynn. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to join you, Wiz. Uh, certainly no shortage of topics to go over, right, when it comes to the sports landscape here in Las Vegas. Of course, you just lined up every one of the uh, the topics we can, we can kind of touch on, and uh, uh, no doubt about it, there's, uh, there's a lot of intrigue across the board, right, when it comes to all things Vegas and sports. So, but once again, great to join you. Yeah, no kidding. So we'll go ahead and get started with everyone's favorite local team. I don't know if I can say that still, if the Raiders in town, I would still say that probably the Vegas Golden Knights, at least as of right now, are still the town's favorite team. So let's go ahead and get in the nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. And uh, our producer, Magnum, really threw me in for a loop this morning with a little bit of a change to the intro music. <laughs> but uh, obviously welcoming, welcoming him into the show. Uh, so the, the team had a dominant win last night against Detroit. I was able to watch that game and... The shots were 25 to 25, but man, I, I think I saw one threatening chance from Detroit that entire game, and 
you know, that power play coverage was a little rough around the edges. So I'm going to go ahead and start with the both of you guys. If you guys were able to watch the game, I'm sure Magnum for sure was able to. What were your thoughts on last night's win against a, you know, a Detroit team that isn't maybe the best? I thought I, I thought it was one that was needed. And by the way, I'm not sure what the hell happened because I showed up this morning and literally all of my music was gone. So I have no idea. We must have had some kind of system outage. Uh, oh, between last week and this week because my all, all my music is gone, so I have no idea. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I've had that song for six years that I've been using for this show, so no clue what's going on. But um, as far as last night, look, it, it, it was a game that the Golden Knights needed to play. After blowing 2-0 leads or 2-0 leads in back-to-back games, one against Columbus, you were fortunate enough to win in a shootout, one against Pittsburgh, in which I think they really probably played one of their worst games of the season despite being up 2 nothing. Uh, the Penguins really took it to them. There was little to no bark when when Pittsburgh pushed back in that game. So, look, I, I'll say it was a win against a, a, I don't want to say good Detroit team, but a much improved Detroit Red Wings team. And Chris, of course, being a Michigan guy, he probably would, would, would relay those, those sentiments as well, that they're improved. They're not good, but it was a win that the Golden Knights needed. Now, the big question, obviously, I saw in the rundown, and, and it obviously needs to be discussed, is at what 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 loss, right? Because... Jack Eichel goes off the ice in the third period last night. Looked like a non-contact thing. Didn't really seem like there was a whole lot going on uh, until he seemed to come up limp, and he went literally right off the right off the ice into the locker room. So that's obviously a um, a, a concern, and hopefully we'll know more today or tomorrow when Bruce Cassidy speaks to the media as far as Jack Eichel's status, because this is a guy that the Golden Knights obviously need if 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 they're going to continue to. Uh, Really, really, uh, I don't want to say run rough shot because the the Kraken are not that far behind. But if they're going to continue to lead the Pacific Division, this is a guy they're obviously going to need. Uh, you know, it's a big concern. And, and look, the other concern right now, I think, is Alex Petrangelo because he's not on this road trip. We don't know why. It's really not important why. Uh, it is personal reason. So it's really none of my business or anyone else's business why he's not on the trip. Uh, but look, obviously, you hope for the best for for Alex and and that everything is okay in his life. That he needed to step away from the team. Uh, but look, this is a team that 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 misses him. I think they missed him in Columbus. They missed him in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy who who I think a lot of times people may overlook at how good of a player he is, even even still at, at this point in his career. But uh, yeah, I mean, two two major concerns right now and. Uh, you know, we don't really know what's the status with either one of them, and we don't know when either one of them are going to be back on the ice. Chris Wynn, were you able to check in? Hopefully you're not frozen. Let's see. We'll give him one more moment before we He go seems on to, to the be uh, the black, the, 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 the circle of death right now is, yeah, is the, on his yeah, uh, his video screen. So, uh, but yeah, yeah I, I mean. I was the red ring of death when I was a kid with the Xbox. Oh, the yeah, yeah. I've, I've, heard of, I've heard those horror stories, but yeah. Uh, you know, anyway, back since since Chris isn't here, you know, I, I thought you know last night was was a a good game. You mentioned the penalty kill. Uh, look, they gave up the that one was goal. Rough. That yeah, was, that was really yeah. I mean, rough. It, it, and the funny thing is that Oscar Sundquist, who scored for Detroit, he he has been a killer in the thorn or a thorn in the side of the Golden Knights for you know almost as long as this team has existed because he he used to play with the Blues. And the funny thing is the guy has, I think, 43 or 44 career goals. Six of them have come against the Golden Knights. Nobody else in the league has he scored more against than the Golden Knights. And this is a guy who's obviously, you know, when, when I mentioned he's only got 43, 44 career goals, this is a guy who's not lighting up the lamp 
uh, on uh, any high level, but he seems to show up against the Golden Knights and Sundquist last night with another goal. Like I mentioned, his sixth career goal against Golden Knights. So, I mean, he's he's got a pretty good batting average against the team. Yeah, I mean, they were bouncing that puck around like a beach ball at a nickelback concert. And, and Aiden Hill is even way out of position, too, for the goal. I mean, it's the worst penalty kill I think I've ever seen. But other than that, I would say, like I said, they had 25 shots on goal. I, I didn't think any of them were going to go in. So I, that was a really good game for the Golden Knights. But Chris Wynn, I think you're back. I don't know if you are able to watch the game last night. Maybe your thoughts on the team during last night and maybe some recent performances, what you've seen from this team. Yeah, Jay. I get a chance to see the, t- the game last night, obviously, against my Detroit Red Wings. And uh, oh, right, it is right. a Detroit team that is improving and that is one of the and that is uh, trying to, you know, make themselves relevant when it comes to the Eastern Conference and the playoff picture. And uh, Huso is actually decent between the fights for Detroit. But no question, it, it is. It's, I think it's clear that the, the Vegas Golden Knights are a better hockey club. And they showed that last night. That being said, uh, it was interesting to hear the perspective from Gary Lawless and Dan Duva after the game, talking about the reflection, right, of that team on that flight from Pittsburgh to Detroit as it was a, a very somber type of atmosphere, guys. It was not something that uh, that after that game in Pittsburgh where everybody on that team said to themselves, look, that's not how we need to perform, particularly on the road. Now, look, this has been a really good hockey club on the road all year long, pretty much the best team in the NHL on the road. But uh, that was not the type of performance that's going to be expected from the Vegas Golden Knights in, in, in that game, in that loss to Pittsburgh. And they uh, righted the ship in the Motor City, able to get that win. And now we come full circle, of course, obviously going to Boston. And you have Bruce Cassidy, right, former head coach of the Boston Bruins, getting a chance to coach against his former team, his former organization, and another road game, you know, before they come back for uh, a little short stint here at home. So I think it was. Uh, it was what the Vegas Golden Knights wanted to do to kind of right the ship in that victory over the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, they'll look to continue that against Boston coming up in a couple of days. Yeah, I don't want to look too far ahead because obviously it's the beginning of the season. There's a lot of ups and downs that are going to happen throughout and you know, obviously be monitoring that. But there, there's one thing that is on my mind that I've been looking at throughout the entire season. And let, I'll start here. Do you guys think this current goalie room can help bring the the Golden Knights a Stanley Cup as it is right now? Can this current group of guys band together because it's kind of a committee right now? It's almost like a running back by committee type of situation. Not bad. I'm not going to say it's horrible. We're not have a horrible goalie situation. But does this can they come together and maybe one of them has to step up over the others? Can they win a, a, a Stanley Cup? Because you have to have a great goalie to win a Stanley Cup. There's no doubt about it. You can't do it. Can any of the, these guys become great this season? To me, the answer is no. Okay, but before I go too much farther into my thoughts, do you guys think this current goalie room can help win a Stanley Cup for this team? I do. I do. I, I, I because I think in this in this particular type of system that Bruce Cassidy runs, you don't need an elite goalie. You need a good goalie, and Logan Thompson is a good goalie. Aiden Hill is a good backup goalie. Logan Thompson has not played one bad game this season. Like you, you, you look over the stretch, and yeah, you can say, oh well, the team gave up four goals here, five, but. When you watch the game, it's hard to fault Logan Thompson for for giving up a lot of those goals. Uh, usually, they come from defensive breakdowns. I don't think this team. I look. They're, they're, I don't want to sound like wishy washy here. I think the goalies are fine. I don't think that's an issue. I think there's other issues that 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 might need to be addressed a little bit later in the season as we get closer to the trade deadline and and Kelly McCrimmon has a real opportunity to really see where his team stacks up against. 
the the elite teams. Look, the reality is this team has lost to some pretty good hockey clubs. They lost to the Calgary Flames. They lost to the Colorado Avalanche. Obviously, there was the home stretch right around Thanksgiving where they lost to Vancouver and Seattle, two teams that I certainly wouldn't pencil in as Stanley Cup contenders. Uh, Seattle obviously overachieving. Maybe not. Maybe maybe they are that good. Uh, but the, the the reality is there there are some some holes. Uh, third line continues, in my opinion, to be an albatross. Uh, whether or not they get that squared away, I don't know. The fourth line has played really well, but just to to to, to answer your question, I don't think the goalies are, are are an issue. I think Aiden Hill is is certainly. I I will eat my words when I said he wasn't a very good goalie earlier in the season or before they traded for him. I said, nah, they don't need that guy. He's proved me wrong. Look, Aiden Hill's a pretty good backup. One goal allowed last night. There's not a lot of games where you've looked at him and said, ah, he's been bad. I mean, he's had a lot of quality starts. So it's the system that Bruce Cassidy runs, and it's very goalie-friendly. This team could win the Stanley Cup with Logan Thompson in net. I don't think that's an issue. I think Logan Thompson is fine, and I think – you know, looking further down the road, this team's going to have a real big choice to make next season when Robin Leonard comes back because I think Logan Thompson is absolutely an NHL goalie. I think he's proven he can start. We're now past the quarter pole of the season. He's proven he can start in the league. I, I, I think it, it's it's going to be a question of can this team do the things in front of Logan Thompson that will help them win the Stanley Cup. So you win? Yeah, without concur with Magnum there in the situation. Look, there's been a number of Stanley Cup champions across the board in modern NHL history. They haven't had the top-tier guy between the pipes. There's been all kinds of, of squads that have been able to hoist the Stanley Cup, and they don't have a goaltender that wins a Vezina Trophy or you know a guy that's necessarily a top-three goaltender in this league. Logan Thompson, I think, is going to emerge as a number one guy. This is my own personal reflection and opinion on this. I, I Look, I understand right now, as we are, you know, basically in the first third of the season, you've got kind of a tandem situation with Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson. I don't necessarily think that's going to hold. I think that Logan Thompson is going to end up being the main goaltender on the squad. And, and, and but as, as Bruce Cassidy said after the game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, there's a whole heck of a lot of other things that they're going to focus on and that they need to examine this team. There are other issues that they'll have to deal with. Mags reflected on a few of those and touched on those. There's there's some scenarios that Bruce Cassidy pointed out that, that need to get cleaned up in, in some of their losses this year. Look, the the uh, the, the the wins on the the uh, the games on the L side have been few and far between for this Vegas Golden Gold Knight baseball night team here in 2022 and 23. Uh, I think there's 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 going to be dry spells and there's going to be some tough spots on the schedule throughout the rest of the year. But I don't necessarily think that goaltending right now has been a major detriment whatsoever to this hockey club and. I, I, I would expect that it's, it's probably going to be a strength, to be honest with you, if this team actually does make a run towards hosting Lord Stanley Cup. Well, the one thing that I want to say, going back just a second, I, I don't think there is a Robin Leonard problem. I think he's gone next season. I think just because he's on the roster, I, I feel as though they moved on from him. I haven't heard word or anything from this guy in a long, long time since he's been out. I think they're ready to get rid of him, just haven't had the chance to maybe yet in a long time. He won't be a Golden Knight next year, uh, just in my opinion there. But I, I tend to agree with you guys a little bit, but my opinion is we have a top 15 to 20 situation at goalie, and I think you probably want to be on the closer side to 15 to 10. 
Now, let me let me just put this to you guys. And this is a bit of a tough decision, all right? If there's a chance to get a top 10 goalie, okay? You got to get you got to trade one of these players to do it. Who is it going to be, okay? Mark Stone, Jonathan Marchessault, William Carlson or Riley Smith. If you had to get rid of one of them to get a top flight goalie, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if you did, which of those assets would you give up for a top flight goalie? Well, I don't think they're giving up any assets for for those go- for for because I think they feel that they're perfectly fine at the goalie position. Uh, let's not forget we have Laurent Brossois sitting in in Henderson, and maybe maybe he's not the answer either. But uh, to to not to not to deflect your question, but I don't think this team feels that they need a goalie. I I I believe that that they have full confidence in Logan Thompson. I you know I mean just things that I've seen and things that I've heard. I they they're they're all in on him and they're going to ride or die with Logan Thompson. You know I I know you're saying he's 15 to 20. Look, the reality is the kid's playing way above that. Uh, he he could potentially be an all star for the Golden Knights. He he's certainly in the discussion for Calder. Uh, rookie of the year. I don't think he's going to win it because I certainly think there's some other guys. And I think a lot of times they look at positions that are a little more flashy than goalie. They look at goal scorers and things like that. But uh, look, the, the the reality is Logan Thompson is not, you know, he this is his job. And the only way it's not his job is if he loses it on his own merit because Logan Thompson right now, he, he he's playing at, at a very high level. And, you know, I, I, I think he, he certainly has played way above expectations. I think a lot of people were like, ah, you know what? We only got a small sample and games didn't matter last year. Well, the games matter now. And Logan Thompson's been pretty good in pretty much every single game he's played. So I I, I can't see, even if the opportunity was there, I, 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 I'm I, trying to think, wrap my head around who it could be that maybe if there was a goalie on the market that they would make a move for. But I don't think they would trade any of those guys. I think they're, I think they're firmly in the camp of, of trading draft picks. I think this team has kind of shown the draft picks and and prospects don't really mean much in in the grand scheme of things in the way that they've wanted to build things. I mean, at some time it's going to bite you in the ass because you're going to need prospects and and draft picks when when some of your players you know age out. But I think right now they they're not trading players; they're trading uh, future assets. And you know, the, there there was a trade over the week during the week. Uh, Zach Hayes goes from. Vegas to Carolina for everyone's favorite future considerations. This team doesn't care about players in the minors. It seems the way that they make moves, um, you know, there's only one player left from that from the first uh, first draft, the, the the first or second round, and that's Nick Hague. Cody Glass gone, very first pick in franchise history, gone. Nick Suzuki gone. Eric Brandstrom gone. They traded Peyton Krebs last year gone. I mean, Jake Lecision was a draft pick, you know, and and he's getting some playing time and, and good on Jake, but he wasn't like a a, a, a first round pick. So uh, Paul Cotter, another guy that was drafted a little bit later, uh, Jonas Rombierk sitting in in Henderson, another of the those first year guys. But you know, it's funny. It's it's they they just move. You, they, they they move draft picks and prospects like candy, you know. It's like they they yeah, you know what you want this guy. And the funny thing is, I don't really know if any of those guys that they've traded away. Ever, I mean, Nick Suzuki's turned into a good player, but a lot of those other guys that they've traded away, they just kind of yeah. Cody Glass, eh. Eric Branstrom, meh, nothing great. So uh, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe it says that they don't know how to draft, or maybe it says that they know what they're doing because it it seems to have worked out. When, when they've moved some of these guys, but 
you know, the reality is outside of Nick Suzuki, none of those guys that they've drafted high have really panned out. All right, see you, Wayne. Give me a hot take. Come here question, now. Wiz, no question. No, you, <laughs> there's no question, Wiz. You could create an intriguing question because you because you mentioned those names that are prominent, right, on this Vegas Golden Knights roster that have made you know significant contributions, and you would think would make significant contributions. The team is going to make a run at a Stanley Cup. You you ask me and you put my feet to the fire, right, and say out of those names. Who they should, who they would need to deal, maybe if to, to bring in a you know caliber goaltender like you're talking about. I would, you know, off the top of my head, say probably Riley Smith, right? Probably William Carlson. I think that they would try like gangbusters to avoid to trade, avoid trading Mark a Mark Stone or a Marshall So or or anybody else on this roster for that matter. When it comes to you know kind of upgrading and getting the bigger and better deal when it comes to the goaltender. For the Vegas Golden Knights, but I concur again with Magnum. It's a situation where you know the Vegas Golden Knights has kind of been their MO is you know if they're going to make deals, they're going to make deals with uh, you know as far as players that haven't established themselves yet, and then they're going to try to avoid that bullet, right? They're going to try to avoid a situation or a scenario where Eric Brandstrom turns out to be you know a, a perennial <laughs> Norris Trophy candidate, or as he mentioned, of course Nick Suzuki is you know panned out pretty well with the Montreal Canadiens, but it's, it's been, it, we've been able to kind of rationalize here in Vegas as to why that deal was done. And, and that is true with a lot of other names out there. It's funny, right? Uh, Magnum and Wiz, I uh, was checking out the uh, roster for the, uh, uh, for the minor league squad there with the Seattle Kraken. And there's a, a name on there by the name of Jimmy Schultz. That is, uh, you know, in, on the blue line for that team. Man, completely there. forgot so about Jimmy Schultz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, though, Mags and Wiz? There's like a lot of guys that are kind of, you know, uh, kind of just landed on the, 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 uh, the I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but landed on the trash heap, right, when it comes to the NHL and what their prospects should have been and what they should have been. Well, they've done a and, really good and job. Vegas has kind of been able to avoid any. Well, Chris, they, they've, they've done a pretty good job of finding diamonds in the rough. I mean, I, I think Zach Whitecloud right. certainly jumps off the charts when you say, you know, who were, you know, five years ago, people are saying, who the hell is Zach Whitecloud? Well, now he's, he's a starting D man and he's probably your, your, I'd say your third or fourth best defensive player, maybe. Um, look, I mean, th- 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 there's guys that, that they have brought in. Daniil Marimanov, who played last night, this is a guy they found in Russia, uh, who, who, came over last year he he was a, a forward and they've converted him to a defenseman and he's now playing minutes in the NHL as a defenseman when he grew up playing with forward position he's got a, a ton of offensive upside so they've been able to go out and find some guys but I think the reality is this team a couple of years down the road is going to pay the price for not having drafted well or for not having a lot of high caliber prospects I mean, obviously, everyone's still holding their breath on Brendan Brisson. Uh, you know, no, no sign or no word of him getting a call up anytime soon. Um, you know, he was another first round pick, I believe. Ivan Marazov was a guy they drafted out of the KHL. Uh, he had some some real high expectations. I don't particularly think he's he's lighting things up. The one prospect that I I keep my eye on, and I'm I I because I feel like he's got all he does is seem to score goals is Pavel Dorofeyev and this is a guy who who he had a cup of coffee like like I mean the funny thing is Pavel Dorofeyev played in the very first game of the season last year uh for the Golden Knights but he only played four minutes in that game 
He's a guy who who I think they really like. He's a guy who who excites me when I watch him play. I just I just wonder if there's an opportunity for a guy like that because you look at the third line of the Golden Knights and outside of Phil Kessel, you're kind of like, uh, where's the goal scoring? Uh, Kessel's been fine, uh, but it's it's you know they 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 haven't exactly been f- f- phenomenal getting any scoring from the rest of the guys who've played on the third line. I love the fourth line. Don't get me wrong. I mean, to me, Nick Waugh, Will Carrier, and and um, Keegan Colasar that that's a that's a really good fourth line. And William Carrier has been that guy's one goal away from tying his career high. We're twenty five games into the season, so uh, you know it, it's just funny. The way things work out, I I, I want to see Pavel Dorofeyev get a shot because I think he's a guy who, if he has a real opportunity, he's going to take advantage of it because he, he's he's an explosive scorer, and and you know I get to listen and watch a lot of the Henderson games, and he's a guy who always seems to be around the net and always seems to be getting pucks in the net. So hopefully in the near future, Pavel Dorofeyev is a guy who has an opportunity, and he could become really the first I'd say offensive draft pick from this team to to really kind of break through. And I, I don't think Bruce Cassidy would be afraid to, to you know, make that decision. He no, seems pretty no. willing to change things up. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that. You know, Pete DeBoer was, was kind of stuck in his ways, and and he had yeah, his definitely. system. Uh, you know, Gerard Gallant was also the same way. He 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 was a guy who he had his lines and he had his guys, and you know, he 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 really was didn't didn't make changes over the court. You know, during the games, a lot of times you wouldn't see changes. Uh, Bruce Cassidy has, has mixed things up. He doesn't care if he's got to throw things in a blender, even for a period like we saw against Vancouver when uh, Jonathan Marshall so did not play basically for the final 10 minutes of the first period. And he swapped, you know, Chandler Stevenson was another guy who, who found himself missing minutes in that first period against Vancouver. And, you know, Cassidy kind of mixed things up. And then after the second period or after the first period, he went right back to the norm. But, I, I like that he's willing to mix it up. It's like, look, he's still learning about this team and a lot of these players. I'm pretty sure he has a good idea of what he's got, but I think he probably would want more more out of his third line, and I think everyone would probably want more out of the third line. It, it, it's the funny thing, Spence and, and, and Chris, you can go back to year one, year two, year three. The third line for the Golden Knights, for whatever reason, has always been an anchor. It's always been... Guys who who just for whatever reason, I mean, they've mixed it up so many times. There's zero consistency. It seems like, obviously, because injuries play a role. But I mean, I remember when when the third line had Cody Eakin and Alex Tuck on it, and you're like, okay, well, well, you know, why 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 can't Tuck succeed on the third line? Well, he wasn't really playing next to anybody who was really good. Um, so it, it, it's funny how that works. Uh, but yeah, the third line is, is since year one has been a bit of an issue and. Maybe there's some players in Henderson that can help them get it get it resolved. But problem is, this team has also shown that that they don't want to just cut guys loose. So I don't know what what you do in that situation. But uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where they've got to find something at some point because you know when you win a Stanley Cup, you get you get production up and down the lineup. You don't get production from three lines. You don't get production from two lines. It's a total team effort. And the Golden Knights, I mean, I'm not saying that those third-line guys aren't playing hard. They are. It's, it's, it's not even debatable that they are. The problem is they've got to produce. And that's been an issue this year. It's been an issue for multiple years. And it doesn't matter who seems to be there. The third line seems to be a problem. 
yeah, so we'll uh, we'll have to see, you know, what they decide to do. But still, obviously, we say all this, and yet they're first place in the Pacific Division, you know, looking pretty good right now. Uh, looking ahead, they play Boston tomorrow uh, in Boston. And then they got a three-game homestand against the Rangers, Flyers, and then the Bruins again. So they got to at least split with Boston. They got to prove that they are a top-flight team, in my opinion. You know, it's not the end of the season, obviously, if they lose both those games. But you'd like to see them maybe at least split. And if they win two, even better. Uh, so we'll, we'll go ahead, and we're going to switch over to UNLV basketball, which I feel like I should start by saying how excited I am about them moving to 8-0. and zero, But for some reason, I'm just not. I mean, they've had one good win this season. I won't take away... You know, they're winning against the ring team. They won and they dominated in the second half and you can't take that away from them. But man, you go down the list and you go down the schedule and it's some for some reason, it's hard to be excited. I don't know if I'm the only one who feels this way. Maybe I'm just completely jaded to this UNLV basketball team. But Chris Wynn, do you agree with me that 8-0 just doesn't feel like a great 8-0 right now? Yeah, it's difficult to say, right? We're talking about early on in the season some victories over some kind of ho-hum programs, right? You talk one of the probably lower tier teams in the Big Ten in Minnesota in that win last week. Obviously, the victory at home was one of the high points probably in the last three, four seasons of UNLV basketball when they were able to beat Dayton, a team that was ranked in the top 25 when they came here to Vegas and looked pretty impressive in that tilt as well, too. But you're not going to go crazy and be all fired up getting a win over the Toreros in San Diego. Look, I understand a couple of years ago they were half decent, but it's not necessarily a top-tier program. And there's been a lot of little sisters of the poor that's been on the schedule so far for UNLV. But I in no way want to be disparaging whatsoever. I think that I've been overly impressed with what Kevin Kruger and his coaching staff have been able to do here with UNLV basketball so far in his extremely infancy of his coaching, of his head coaching career. I mean, make no and make no mistake about it. Kevin Kruger is just in the beginning of his head coaching career. And so it's been solid what he's been able to do. They've kind of been able to find some offensive guys, right, with Rodriguez and some others on this team. But it's going to continue to be an issue as far as scoring the basketball, in my opinion. And Mags and Wiz, what do we talk about every year when it comes to UNLV and when they start to get into the meat of the schedule? The rubber's going to meet the road when they start playing in the conference, right, in the Mountain West. They need to be a team that is not only competitive, but is one of the top two, three, four teams in the Mountain West. If they show they can do that, once they get into the meat of the schedule here, rolling into the winter months, then we can start to believe, I think, as far as, you know, the, the whole aura of UNLV basketball is coming back into the fold and being relevant again. But uh, as of right now, look, yes, ain't no start. It's solid. It's it's kind of impressive. And it, it's great to see those graphics on social media, right? Mags and Wiz, where, you know, you see the undefeated teams across the country and you see the graphic where UNLV here in the Southwest is one of those teams that's undefeated. But I don't think anybody needs to get out over their skis and get all kinds of juiced up thinking that this is a team that's headed to any kind of Sweet 16 or even an NCAA tournament as of yet, just because they've won, you know, the first eight games on their schedule. Well, Magnum, you're also alumni. Are you excited about the no start? I'm happy, but I'm not excited. Are you excited? Well, I mean, I think you have to be, right? I mean, look, it's it's 
it's year two of Kevin Kruger. The team obviously has has exceeded, I think, a lot of expectations. I don't really think anybody anticipated an eight and zero start from this team. And you know, I'll, I'll give a shout out to to both the men's and women's program because I believe that both programs are undefeated at this point. So huge shout out to Lindy LaRock as well, getting the job done at the Cox Pavilion because I mean to have two two teams both undefeated at this point. I mean, here we are in early December. That's pretty awesome. But getting back to, to the men, look, I, I, I didn't really know what to expect. I worried about where the scoring would come from. And look, as we get into the Mountain West Conference, I think some of those issues will, will be answered, whether or not this team is for real. Um, you know, they, 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 they've played a bit of a cream puff schedule, too. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you look at the roster or, or you look at the schedule and you're like, eh, we thought the Dayton win was going to really be a big win, but... Dayton has kind of proved that they're not a great team, uh, regardless of where they were ranked. Minnesota, they're, they're, they're probably bottom of the barrel Big Ten team, as Chris pointed out. I mean, they're certainly not going to compete for a, 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 a Big Ten title. Um, you know, now now next weekend, well, I'll, I'll say this before I get ahead of myself, because I watched Hawaii during the week, and they played something called Texas A&M Commerce, and they lost. Now... The final minute of that game, actually the final 15 seconds of that game, was unlike anything I've ever seen because Hawaii was down. I think they were down by seven points with four seconds to go. And if not for an inadvertent whistle by a by a terrible official making a stupid play, Hawaii wins that game. I kid you not. They were down by seven points with four minutes to go, and they got screwed by a, by a stupid official. But... Um, yeah. you, you, you know, the, 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 you know, he should beat Hawaii. I watched them a little bit in their, their diamond head classic or whatever it was called earlier in the year. Not impressed. I watched them lose to, to whatever Texas A&M commerce is. Uh, believe it or not, I guess there's a town in Texas called commerce. Uh, and, and there's a branch of Texas A&M there. Uh, so, so UNLV should be able to dispatch the, the, the rainbow warriors, but next weekend, I think, is 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 a good test because you're going to have Washington State, again, not exactly a great team, but on the other side of that, you 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 know, you're you're gonna get to test yourself against a Pac-12 team and a team that has a little bit of size. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see where we come out after that. But look, I mean, you're heading into to conference play. The the schedule is a bit favorable for you. If they can reel off a couple more wins and, and head in the conference play with only one or two losses, I think you got to say, you know what, this team ha- has a chance. Now, what they what they do, they remind me a bit of San Diego State because they 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 have that defensive tenacity where they're just going to get at you, but they don't really have that elite score. I mean, you look at all these San Diego State teams over the last I mean, going back to you know ten fifteen years, outside of Kawhi Leonard. They don't. They've never really had like an elite NBA talent dog where you're like, this guy is is a bona fide NBA player. They've had guys get drafted, but none of them have really turned out to be much. Where, where with Kawhi Leonard, you knew watching Kawhi Leonard that he was going to be a, a, a really good player in the NBA. UNLV doesn't have that. They don't have that that NBA where you're like, oh, this guy's going to be a, be a great NBA player. Maybe someone develops into a player. It reminds me a bit of that, and the, the problem is it's good enough in the Mountain West Conference. It might be good enough to get you into the NCAA tournament, 
But the reality is, much like San Diego State, they've never really, outside of that Kawhi Leonard team, they've never really had a deep run for all the great teams they've had over the last 15, 20 years. They've really only had one one good run in the NCAA tournament. I mean, I remember one year, it opened up for them, right? They, 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 they were, I think, a 7 or 10. They won their game. And then Florida Gulf Coast beat Georgetown as a 15 seed. And you're thinking, all right, San Diego State, another trip. to Because there's no way Florida Gulf Coast is going to go upset City twice. Well, they did. And that's really the last time San Diego State's had a team that, that had, has had an opportunity to make a run to the, to, to the Sweet 16. But, you know, the, the, the thing is, the Mountain West is, is not a great conference. It's a good conference. And there's some good teams, but the bottom of the conference is bad. And I I, I want to see how this team does when they play the bad teams. Like, when they go to Air Force, I want to see what they do. That's a spot UNLV always struggles. Uh, you know, I mean, look, I, to, to, to make a long answer out of a short question, I'm happy with, with, the, with the start. I'm, I'm thrilled that they're undefeated. I, I really like watching Kashawn Gilbert play. That kid is, he's he's just got something about him that I, I I just enjoy watching, uh, you know, and and look, they've they found guys who who have stepped up in big moments, and and maybe guys we weren't expecting, guys we didn't know a whole lot about coming into the season. But I mean, I think that that speaks to the job that Kevin Kruger's doing. He's doing a really good job, and I think things are only going to get better. Uh, you know, I think we were all wondering, oh, is this team going to going to be able to, to to compete? Will they will they win games? Yeah, they, they they've won games. They've beaten a lot of teams that are like meh, like. Whoever they, what was it, Southern that they played to open the season? You're like, ah, eh, these guys, Life Pacific. I still think that's an insurance company, right? There are a bunch of there are a bunch of insurance brokers out there trying to play college basketball, but we'll see. I mean, next weekend it will be a good test for for the Rebels, and we'll see we'll, we'll see where things go. A win's a win, so you know I, I can't be mad. I can't be mad. I, I do want to talk about it because we got we got more to get to. We got to talk about the other UNLV team in. Oh, I, I don't even know what to say. Marcus Arroyo, if you guys didn't hear, he got fired right after winning the Cannon. Second coach in a row to do that, by the way. Right after the last game of the season, you get a nice, exciting... And, and the games are almost exactly the same, which is even crazier. Right on the goal line, you win the Cannon. It's a curse, apparently. It's a curse to win the Cannon at UNLV in exciting fashion because you get fired the next week. And Marcus Arroyo was next. And I'll tell you, I was surprised because... First of all, he didn't deserve to get fired. Also, I'll say that right now. He wasn't my favorite coach ever. He didn't deserve to get fired. This is the best UNOV team that we've had despite the horrible losing streak in the middle of the season and since Caleb Herring. Is that is that wrong, Chris, when you say this is this year, despite how bad they were, this is how bad the program is. This is the best season they've had since Caleb Herring took this team to a bowl game. You, you can make that statement. It can be portrayed with, as a hot take. I'll put it that way. But I would, I would push back on what you just said as far as did he deserve to get fired. There's a lot of ways to look at it as far as how or whether or not if he should have deserved to be let go. There's a lot of rationale as to why he was let go. Now, there's also a lot of uh, backstories here as well too regarding the relationship, obviously, with Marcus Arroyo and Eric Harper, the new athletic director here at UNLV. And that's something, it's kind of an elephant in the room that I don't think has been discussed enough as far as why and uh, how much of a part this was with Marcus no longer being the head coach here at UNLV. And I talked to some, you know, media members here in town about this specifically that, you know, point out and, uh, and, and in a very reasonable way 
that look, he was never he was never going to be Harp's guy. Marcus Arroyo was never, uh, you know, uh, Harp's choice when it came to even the, the decision to bring him on back when Desiree hired him. You know, uh, you know, a, f- a few years back. So, uh, not to say that he's always been looking for an opportunity to get rid of Arroyo, but that's that's never been a a, a real uh, how should I put this uh, a hospitable type of relationship between the two men with respect to that. And that being said, now look, you, there are all kinds of reasons, Wiz, why you could you could make the determination that he should have been fired. The .233 winning percentage, right? The fact that your team starts in uh, your third season uh, four and one clip, and then you finish losing, you know, five of six, which is kind of ridiculous. And people can talk about, you know, the reasons why that happened, and you can you can you can you know uh, go down all kinds of rabbit holes as to uh, making excuses as to why, but that just can't happen. And then, of course, you know, we talked, you just we just brought up uh, Wiz, right? And uh, Mags, you brought up talking about saying, hey, it was after winning the cannon, right? When he got fired. Now, the decision, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, was made after the Hawaii game. You cannot lose that football game to Hawaii. That is a team that is absolutely inferior to you. You need that win to be bowl eligible. That's been the narrative, you know, for the past, you know, five, six, seven weeks regarding Rebel football. And they end up, you know, basically laying an egg there on the islands in that matchup. To me, that was the straw that broke the camel's back regarding Marcus Arroyo here at UNLV. I thought there's no question that if UNLV would have won that football game, Mark, Marcus Arroyo would still be the head coach here at UNLV. But it was it just it just kind of led fuel to the fire. And uh, I'll be interested here, Wiz, what you have to say about uh, your perspective on this as well as Mags, because. Uh, I think that, uh, look, there are prospects out there. There are pieces. There are uh, possible coaching candidates, I think, that can that can take a stab at kind of resurrecting this program. But uh, I, I think there's no question that there would be, there was ample motivation and reasoning why Marcus Arroyo is no longer the head coach. Yeah, I, I, I think you, you kind of nailed it, right? Like the Hawaii game w- was probably the nail in the coffin. And look, I mean, if you believe some of the stories – uh, that that we've all heard, there was a lot of off the field uh, problems. I don't want to say problems, but there there were some like you know I I heard some people saying, look, Marcus Royal wasn't visible in the community. He never really came across as approachable. He wasn't out there, you know, being the face of the school the way that 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 other coaches in the past have. I mean, look, Tony Sanchez, and it's not to compare them, you know, in any other way other than saying, look, Tony Sanchez got out there and he got stuff done in the community. Granted, he was a he was a local guy with a lot of local ties, so I think it's a bit unfair in some regard to compare. But I mean, there 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 were some stories, and look, I have no way to confirm or deny, but you know, there there were some stories that look, there were some people behind the scenes who were not happy with Marcus Royo not being you know approachable and and being visible, and and you know there there were some some stories that I've heard from other media members that look, he he went out out of his way to avoid certain guys he didn't like specific guys in the media, and that was a predetermined thing. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think all that stuff can be overlooked if you're winning football games. Now, I'm I, I I'm a homer in the regard that I throw out that first year. Like, I don't care that he went 0-6 in the COVID year. 
And I understand there were other coaches who who were in similar situations. How many other coaches were walking into the dumpster fire that's been UNLV football for the last two decades since John Robinson stepped down? Um, you know, yeah. but at, at the end of the day, the past is the past, and this is a program now that needs to look forward to the future because I, I, I'm a firm believer in that you don't fire a guy and and remain stagnant. I don't want to see a recycled coordinator or not a recycled coordinator. I don't want to see a coordinator who's the hot name. I don't want to see a, a, an FCS coach. I don't want to see a high school coach. I want a guy who's won games at in at the at this level who is looking for a second opportunity or maybe a guy look an Ed Ogeron type. I'm not saying that the UNLV could go out and get Ed Ogeron, but I want to see a, a name, a guy who's a, who's been attached to a prominent program who's been somewhere, who's coached at a prominent program. Uh, you know, there's other guys out there. Gary Patterson would be another name. Um, I, I, I've i heard Brian Harson's name thrown out by fans. I don't know if I want yeah. Brian Harson, but look, Brian Harson coached at Auburn. Brian Harson had a lot of success at Boise State. Maybe did it with Chris Peterson's players. I don't care. The guy's proven that that, that he can coach yeah. at a high level. Um, you know, there, there's other names out there as well, but... Uh, a name that's probably, well, not probably now, but it's off the, the the block. I saw a lot of people throwing Deion Sanders' name out there. Well, that's not going to happen. Is primetime took the job at Colorado? Maybe going to hire our buddy Mike Pritchard to be a, a coordinator, right? A lot of history between those two when they were when they were part of the Dirty Birds back in the day. But uh, you know, I I, I want to see uh, I I want to see UNLV take a step forward. Look, if if you're serious about this program. You find them, and, and, and I have no idea. I'm not, I'm not one of those people that says, oh, well, the funds, I don't know. Look, if the money's there, the money's there. If it's not, it's not. But I want to see a name. I don't want to see the hot coordinator. I don't want to see another another uh, Marcus, or I'm sorry, Bobby Houck type. Just get me a name, a guy who's coached in, at big-time college football level, a guy who's coached in, in, in either the Pac-12 or the SEC. They're out there. There's a lot of guys out there. I, 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 at this point, I don't want to see a step back. I don't want to see this program remain stagnant. You fired Marcus Arroyo despite the fact that he's made progress over the over three years in terms of wins. If you if you go out and hire another coordinator, why did you fire Marcus Arroyo? I, I say good luck to you, Mags, because I don't know how desirable <laughs> this job is to anybody in this country. One it's Las Vegas, but but that's the thing, you know. But 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 but. But Wiz, a lot of people, and I hear a lot of people say that it's not a desirable. Look, this is Las Vegas. It's it's a desirable city. It's a big time city. If you can win here, I don't care if the coach uses it as a stepping stone. I could care less. Be here for three years. Get this team to two bowl games in three years. Have them compete for a Mountain West championship and go somewhere else. I don't care. I, I don't. I don't think UNLV needs to hire a guy who's going to be here for ten years. In fact, that's probably not a good thing. I mean, it's great if he's here for 10 years and he's winning, but, you know, I I want a guy who who is going to come in, shake things up, win football games, and listen, three years down the road, if if UCLA wants to hire him, fine. I don't care. As long as in those three years he got the job done, this is not we, – we, we can't be picky at this point. Oh, well, we need to find a guy who's going to be here for life. No, we don't. We just need to find a guy who's going to win in three or four years, and if he goes, he goes. We can't worry about what happens three, four years down the road. I hope UNOV includes you in the hiring process, Magnum, because they absolutely you're should. Be more convincing than anyone. Eric else. Harper, I'm here. 
Come, come, come talk to me. Publicly. Yes. All right. We, we, we got to move on. There's not too much time left. I do want to spend a few minutes on the Raiders who, well, they've won two games in a row. I can't deny that. Um, there's a few hot takes I want to say before the scooper comes on. I just want to say that I, I like Josh McDaniels. I think the reaction for him is overrated because here's the reality of the situation. This team was never, ever, ever, ever going to compete for a Super Bowl this season, no matter who was the head coach, because the team's not talented enough. They got great skill position players, but my Lord, do they have some gaping holes on the defensive line. They are missing three defensive linemen, starting defensive linemen. They're missing two linebackers. They got maybe one or two decent cornerbacks, and they have no safety. So somehow this team was supposed to compete for a Super Bowl. I'm not buying it. So I'm fine with the results of this season. It is what it is. I like the command the guy has in the locker room. You got to start watching some of these videos. The guys love him, and, and I like him too. He's created one of the most prolific scoring offenses in the NFL. You can say whatever you want about the defense. The biggest mistake this team really made in the offseason was firing Gus, Gus Bradley. He goes to the Colts and now commands one of the best defenses in the NFL. And that's no mistake. Wherever this guy goes, the best defense in the league goes with him. Maybe a top 10, I should say, not the best. So I have no idea why they decided to hire Patrick Graham. The guy stinks on ice. So we'll have to see what happens there. I, I quickly, oh, there's so much I want to talk about. Well, let's start here. The Raiders are favorites today against the Chargers, which is absolutely shocking. Okay, a four and seven team. I would like to go back in history. Has a four and seven team ever been favorited over a winning football team in NFL history? Maybe if there's a, if there's a quarterback problem, but Justin Herbert is suiting up for the Chargers today. It's kind of crazy to see, but the Raiders are at home. They're favorites. Do you think the Raiders can win today's game? And if they do, the teams they play after that are the Steelers, Patriots, and Rams. All very winnable games at that point. How are you feeling about this team right now? Are you overreacting? What's your opinion, Chris? Let's start. I want to see what you think about today's game and maybe the next three games after that, just in general. Well, there's no doubt there's kind of an aura of uh, positivity, right, surrounding Raider Nation and this team coming off of two wins over your division rival right in Denver, and then your former division rival in the Seattle Seahawks on the road in which Josh Jacobs just goes nuts in the backfield and has one of the you know, more historic games for a back in, in, uh, in, in Raider history. So uh, no question that, you know, pe that people are riding a high. I, I concur with you, Wiz, and probably Mags too. I, I think that you know, a lot of the, the, uh, the betting circumstances surrounding this game are mind-boggling to say the least that the Raiders would be favored in any way shape or form here uh check correct me if I'm wrong they're still without some major key pieces on offense i.e Darren Waller i.e Hunter Renfro and some others you talked about the defensive deficiencies that they have and you know I'm still not sold that this is a team that is going to be electrifying offensively you pointed out with obviously the expectations I think need to be measured when it comes to Raider football, it was, if there was, look, there's a lot, let's be honest, there's a lot of hype regarding the AFC West period going into the season. The Raiders were very much a part of that. But as far as today's game, look, I, I think they absolutely have a chance to win. Do I think they will? Absolutely not. I think that the Chargers are a better football team. The Chargers have more motivation. The Chargers have more reason to play and to win this football game. So uh, the, the Chargers are still in the thick of things when it comes to the AFC playoff picture. The Raiders are just still trying to carve their way towards, you know, having an opportunity maybe uh, to, uh, and you, you point out the schedule as well too, maybe to be to uh, to have a chance at at maybe a wild card. But as of right now, there's it's clearly uh, a Charger team that that needs to uh, have 
a kick in the backside and needs to believe that they can win this football game and, and has more motivation. I'm sorry, Magnum. I got you. You got to have like one minute. I'm sorry. I cut you a little short here. You got like one minute because we got to get to the scoop. Yeah, listen, I mean, I, I'll just echo a lot of what Chris and you said. I mean, look, this this is, is not a situation where they they brought in Josh McDaniels to win today. Uh, I think it's more of a long term plan, whether or not it works out that way. I, I, I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, you know, big game today. And look, you have the opportunity to win four in a row and maybe uh, derail the, the, the playoff hopes of of a division rival. So. Uh, it's a big game for both teams, and it's a game, you know, where I was at last year, Raiders and Chargers, last game of the season. It was one of the best football games I've ever seen in my life, let alone be at in person. So, uh, you know, let's hope it lives up to, to the to the hype, and it, and it kind of re- repeats what we got last year. We will see. I'm going to go ahead and bring in the scooper real quick. Scoop, this is the first time you're talking with the Wiz. I'm yes. the guy behind the, the, the wheels over here. And, uh, Good so morning, Wiz. To talk to you. Good morning. So, Let's give it. Let's see. What is the line? What's the pick? What's the parlay for this week? It's nice to have a true professional for a change. But uh, today we're going to go with the uh, best bet is going to be the Washington Commanders. We're going to go oh. back to the team we went to last week. Um, this is a Washington team that's just ferocious up front with that D-line. The Giants, weak up front, top corner still out. Commanders are a team I believe in. I like what's going on in that locker room. And the Giants are, uh, you know, they were an early season team. And we're going to parlay that with um, the New York Jets plus three. So we're going to go with the Washington Commanders on a short money line as the best bet pick. And the parlay, we're going to bring it in with the Jets plus three. And the Jets are playing the the Minnesota Vikings. That's right. Wow. Bold bet there for the scooper. I like it. All right. So we have the Washington Commanders as the best bet. And then you're going to parlay the Washington money line with the Jets plus three. I love it. Can't wait to talk yes, to you next sir. week to check in. The Scooper, thanks for joining the show. Thank you. Have a good one, Wiz. All right, you too. All right, so that is going to lead us just about to the end of the show. I would like to yeah. thank Chris Wynn for joining. Thank you so much, man. I had, a, I had a great time. Always enjoy you being on. And always want to thank Chris Magnum Chapman back in the studio for hecking us up, uh, giving us some new music today. I like it. Maybe we can keep it a little bit for the next couple of weeks while he figures out his fourth situation. But always great to join the show. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. We are here every time, same time on Sunday, 8 to 9, Pacific Standard Time. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.